Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast, where we are talking about following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. My name is Andre, and I am here with my friend Sam, and we are once again back to talk about what it means to be followers of Jesus in this specific cultural moment. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Had a busy week, um, but yeah. We're back, yeah, and this is our first episode after the True North Conference. So that was a big project for us, a brand new thing, something we've never done either of us, also our church community. I think it was a pretty cool experience. Um, Have you recovered? It's been two weeks. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was only like a two-day, day day and a half, two-day conference, (laughs) so I should be recovered by now. But no, I I echo your thoughts on that. I think we did a great job considering it was our first time ever putting on a conference like that, and uh, hopefully it'll happen again next year. Yeah, we're already like planning it and... um, it was encouraging to see so much people show up, and I think that uh, the feedback we were getting at the conference, just the feel of it, people felt like it wasn't just another conference. It was, um, it felt like we had an opportunity to meet. Like I even even in my busyness, I felt like I had an opportunity to meet people that I didn't know and kind of get to know people and fellowship and hang out. So it was pretty encouraging. I think. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Our church was also encouraged. I think everybody who participated was like, hey, you know, we're a small church, but we can actually do something like this, and we can pull together, and, you know, we can pull our resources and our talents, and something can come of it. So it's pretty cool. So what are we talking about today? Well, before we get into that, right. we have to confess our fault at the conference, right? Yes. So we promised <laughs> we promised that those people who signed up for the well-said email and followed us on Instagram... We're entered into a drawing. <laughs> it was not a scam just to get your email. Yeah. There is an actual t-shirt you win. Yes. And there Somebody is an actual wins. drawing, but you know, the part of planning something like this for the first time, I thought of the fact that we forgot to do the giveaway during the closing prayer while <laughs> Pastor Sam was praying. I was like, shoot, we forgot to give away the t-shirts. So Oops. We did, though. We did the drawing. It was randomized, and we've got two winners today, uh, Ruben Yilfimov and Miriam Turkov. Now, I guess announcing them on this episode is a test of whether or not these people really <laughs> signed they up. they actually care about what we have to say. Hmm. Or they're really following or not, but um, we will try to True track them down. fans only. Right. <laughs> we'll track them down and uh, get their address and get your sizes. So if you guys can hear us now, then just shoot us a message on Instagram and let us know what size you are and an address that we can send your goods to. And we'll throw in yeah. some extra things in there besides the t-shirt because you had to wait so long. Uh, and if you're a good friend who knows them, let them know. Yeah. Or cover for them. <laughs> yeah. Don't message us on their behalf and uh, don't give us your address instead of theirs. Um, so yeah. So what are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about the topic of disenchantment, or why is it that our Christian faith sometimes becomes dry and empty feeling? Why is it that uh, we're so much more prone to doubt in our modern culture and our modern narrative than people have been in the past? Mm-hmm. So when we say this word disenchantment, it sounds very... Sounds mystical, doesn't it? So it sounds yeah. mystical, and like I guess when I think of the word enchantment, I think of fairy tales and right. things like that. So what do we, first of all, what do we mean? Definitions. What do we mean by disenchantment? Well, I think it's, I think you can look at it as the loss of something sacred feeling. Mm. You know, something, faith, religion, spirituality always has an element of mystery to it. Mm-hmm. And 
we live in a world where we've tried to quantify everything and um, tried to break down every belief system, every part of our faith into something that is just there on a piece of paper that you can explain. And, you know, if we had minds that were capable of doing that, we would be God. And the fact is that we're not God. There's still elements of faith, elements of our Christian experience that we don't fully understand. And uh, sometimes those things can't be expressed in words. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it. Right, right, right. It's funny because when I was thinking about this topic, and I, it's been on my mind for a while now, and I was trying to get a definition of disenchantment. It was actually difficult to get the definition because um, what, basically what we're referring to is one of the results of living in this particular culture that we live in today, and namely a culture of science, technology, progress, and um, secularism. And, and I guess the word secularism that's another word that's is another kind of hard word to that define. needs to be defined. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in general, I think secularism, we live in a secular culture. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that nobody believes anything today. I think what it means is that belief systems today are often contested and they feel like optional. Like we all have, we live in a world where it's like everybody gets to pick their own gods and spiritualities and... Um, there's a deeper maybe assumption there that none of the gods or none of the religions actually describe the world as it really is, right? Right. And, and you know, it, it comes from, like you said, science and technology and, and this age of discovery that we're in. But it used to be, in ancient times, it was impossible to not believe in a higher power, of some sort, a god or a collection of gods that controlled the weather, the sunshine, right? Um, all the natural forces around you. And then we moved into modernism and we started exploring the world and um, discovering things scientifically. And we figured out that, you know, weather patterns were dependent on what was going on in the atmosphere and where we were in the Earth's orbit and all of that. And it's sort of disenchanted the whole idea. It drained the magic out. It drained the magic out of the world. And now we we look at that as, in our modern age, while in the past it was impossible to not believe in God, now some people think it's impossible to believe in a God because right. we have scientifically quantified everything, right. or so they think. Right. So, And I think there's an important um, thing to clarify here, I think. When we talk about ancient cultures, right, and again, here's a product of our disenchantment today. Very often today, we think that we are the smarter generation, the wiser generation, because we Don't have we science always, and technology. Every generation kind of thinks that. I right. Feel like. we, yeah. Well, that no, 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 no. That depends. So we'll we'll jump into in a few minutes. We'll jump into the sources of just disenchantment, right? But but here's the thing: not every generation of of history has had this belief that the new is always better and mm. that the, the, the new wisdom and the new ideas are always smarter than the old wisdom and the ideas. Maybe that's right? true. So ancient cultures had a deeper understanding of um, transcendent wisdom and truth that did not change with time, and there was a deeper trust of things ancient. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like the, the old wise sage 
was prized over the young, foolish youth, sort of. In today's, in, in our culture, oftentimes that's totally backwards. Right. Right? A young we, youth with a smartphone yep, is smarter yep. than, Hip, you know, smart, the wise old intelligent, um, uh, accomplished versus dumb old people who don't know how, like... Right, who we, aren't with we, the times. We're tempted to think that old people are dumber and less wise because they have a problem with figuring out how to use technology. Like, in a sense, like, our use of technology is a measurement of wisdom and, and, and capability of navigating life, which, right. which, which is false, right? But also... like we're trained chimpanzees on smartphones. Right, 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 right. Well, we don't Google's realize our, that. As our brain, yeah. Yeah. Here's the other thing that's an aspect of the way ancient cultures... And again, we are not here endorsing ancient religions or something like that, or saying that like ancient religions were like correct in all their things. But here's something that ancient cultures had right that modern culture doesn't, and that they looked at the world and they saw the world as full of mystery, wonder, power, and um, things that cannot be all seen and measured. Right, so their view of nature was radically different than ours. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they were wrong to to like you know use all these like fables and different definitions of why the weather you know the gods are right. fighting and so there's thunder. Right. Sure. That that's that's wrong. So here we came along and said, oh, they were so dumb. They thought that lightning storms are caused by gods fighting in the clouds. <laughs> ha ha ha. We know better. So what we did? Oh, we know science causes thunder and lightning. Right. Therefore, there is no such thing as gods or supernatural powers. Now, the first definition is correct, right? When you say, oh, yeah, you know, gods don't cause lightning by their fights. But the second, def- the second assumption, therefore, magical powers, gods, spirituality, doesn't exist. Right. You're applying That's, the part to the whole. Just because yeah. you disprove one aspect yeah. of belief in God doesn't mean that the entire possibility of God is gone. Right. So when we're talking about disenchantment, we're talking about a way of seeing the world that largely describes everyday life in um, ordinary, non-magical, non-mysterious terms. That when we look at the world, we see more or less, we see a machine rather than an unfolding wonderful story. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so even as a Christian you may learn to see this way, even though you say, no, I believe in God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in angels and demons. But when it comes to your daily functioning, um, it doesn't, it's not actually part of your daily way of seeing, you know? So that's what disenchantment, and I think when we talk about disenchantment, we're also talking about the fact that because you see the world this way, it puts pressures of doubt onto your faith and on, onto your daily experience of walking with Jesus. So then how does disenchantment, so to speak, affect our daily life of following Jesus and growing as disciples? Yeah, so uh, this really cool talk, I think, uh, I listened to, I, I sent it to you by James K.A. Smith. We'll probably throw a link to that. Yeah, that was really very great. interesting. But he talks about this thing called, you know, like we're, we're cross-pressured as believers. So like in the past, you know, people lived in a world where like most people are Christians and there's like a difference between like, oh, there's people who are like really faithful Christians and then there's people who are like, meh, whatever, wishy-washy believers. Everybody kind of believes there's a God, but they kind of, 
some of them don't live it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, cultural deism, I think is what he called it. Right. Where but to, you have this overt, like, civic religion, so to speak. Right. It's like an assumed world. Like, everybody kind of mm-hmm. sees the world the same way. Today, you live across the street from a Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist. Like, you're in a world yeah. where your, your beliefs are constantly contested by everyone around you. Right. And if you live in, like, a big city, that's even more Huge. evident. Yeah. I mean... You walk in on the street and you're every single day you have 20, 30, 40 different belief systems, you know, on a block. Right. It's incredible. And yeah, I I think my experience of this has been like in like numerous ways. Right. But like when I showed up to college, I guess. And that's kind of a culture shock if you come from a conservative community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was also like all of a sudden here's a bunch of people who think and who have like more confident perspectives on stuff. Like high school is more like people just like whatever, hanging yeah. out. Everyone's clueless. Right. <laughs> but here there's all these people proclaiming like ideas and I take everything personally, not in like an emotional sense, but like, okay, either they're right and I'm wrong or I'm right and they're wrong and I need to figure it out. Yeah. Right. So like that tension. And I think even if you're not the person that goes and reads a bunch of books or figures everything out, you live in that tension. We we live we all live in that tension. Even if you never talk to your Buddhist coworker, the fact that they are there and that they practice their spirituality, and um, you're, you're Muslim or the, you know the Jew or the atheist around you, the fact that you are surrounded by people. Now I think digging deeper, you're surrounded by this in in, in the entertainment that you consume. So that creates kind of a pressure, a tug at your heart. Well, if I believe this stuff, but they don't, you know, what does that mean? So I think that what that does is that as a believer living today, I am constantly haunted by doubt. Right, by other belief systems because you're aware of them. Right. It used to be people live in this society where they weren't aware that there were other beliefs. I mean, like if you grew up in a small little town in the Midwest... In the 1800s, you'd be like, what's a Buddhist? What's right. a Hindu? Like, I, right. I have no idea what that is. To add to that, I think that um, living in a disenchanted world, so like not only am I surrounded by people who believe a bunch of different things, I'm also, I'm also immersed in a culture that generally thinks that Bible-affirming, Jesus-following Christianity is totally absurd. Right. Right, so that's the default assumption of the entire culture around me. So like, let's be honest. If you believe, if you take the Bible seriously, and if you believe the full message of the gospel, and if you are a follower of Christ, the world thinks you're crazy. Yeah. So you have to, that, that fact, you're always coming, running up against that. You're always run, running up against that. You know, the average Christian, if they say what they believe about God creating the world and um, Jesus coming back and judging the living and the dead and heaven and hell and judgment, like, you're going to sound crazy. Right. And and I think a lot of that um, disbelief of Christianity comes from a cultural impression of Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, That's really, I mean, for example... That's that's huge. If you you don't have the same negativity towards Eastern religions, generally speaking, or any other religion. Eastern religions are popular, actually. Right. People are like, wow, that's amazing to be a Buddhist, you know, and to like live your life as a monk and be holy. And um, so it's, there's like this cultural disconnect between what things are and what they appear to be. Right. 
Um, and I think as Christians, a lot of that is due to our own, I think, poor representation of our faith right? often. And we've been on the defense for so long, uh, for one. And also just our own poor poor catechesis, basically. Like we've, we've done a very bad job of representing Christ in some ways. Yeah. Um, and we have dumbed down our own faith, our churches, um, our evangelical um, understanding of the world. And the result is that we have caused other people to become disenchanted with Christianity as well. Right, right. No, that's so true. I think when you say I'm a Christian, you know you know that most likely you're conjuring up very false and negative visions of what it means to be a Christian in the person who's listening to you. So like, again, that is, as a Christian today, you are carrying that baggage. That is a fact, you know, in a different time period in history to say that you are a believer in Jesus and that like, like that was, um, you know, it was a commonly assumed reality and a respected thing to say, right? Yeah. Today, total opposite. And also, you have pastor scandals. You know, oh, you have right. church scandals, financial, sexual abuse. Like, you have all this, you know, big baggage. You have the Crusades, which are constantly, like... I can't believe people a, still <laughs> bring that up, the yeah, Crusades. Yeah, yeah. The, most people have no idea, probably, what they were or what... But, but yeah. like, basically, there's a negative baggage of the na- to the name Christianity um, that flows in. So again, you have to understand you're carrying around all these negative impressions. What does that do to your self-conscious belief every yeah. day? I mean, for one, it makes us less likely to talk to other people about our beliefs. Less excited. So that's the first thing. So we don't really want to have to be put in a place of defending ourselves. Right. Right. I mean, that's not fun to go about your life defending yourself. You'd rather right. enjoy your life. Uh, so so it kind of makes us these meek, quiet Christians who don't really talk about our faith as much as we should. And uh, for one, it just it's it's constant pressure to not live your Christian life to the fullest. Right, right. Because here's the thing: if you're sort of ashamed or embarrassed to say what you believe, that date that that daily practice is embedding in your heart a basic embarrassment of. The gospel story, right, right, right. So, like the an super... embarrassment that becomes a habit as yeah. you start to slowly conform to the beliefs of the people around you. Yeah, and that, and that habit becomes an emotion. Yeah, where the story of Christianity, the story of the gospel, becomes something that sounds fairy tale like and distant and not amazing. So we little by little we give in to this impression that the belief system of the world is a lot more fun and a lot more interesting and a lot more realistic than our own belief system, you know? Yeah. And it's really interesting to look at how that's worked out or how it hasn't worked out. Right. I mean, if you look at like Nietzsche and his writing, God is, God is dead, you know, the death of God, he said that when, when this happens, we will have unchained the earth from its sun. Hmm. People will lose moral direction. They won't really know, what to do? What to put their faith in? Right. Julian Barnes, the British novelist, said, "I don't believe in God, but I miss Him," mm-hmm. which I think is a really interesting quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes down to the fact that people want to believe in something, even if it's not the Christian deity, the Christian God. 
they have some aspect of, of spirituality, uh, a void that they're trying to fill. Right. Which is interesting because it's like, on the one hand, Christianity is denied and laughed at, but then you turn around and you look at all the different spiritualities. Mm-hmm. And so people called, who pick and choose from all of the different ones and just and, kind of have this spiritual yeah. buffet where they're, you know, build, BYOR, build your own religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DIY spirituality. And and then you look at the stuff that, like, I have some, there's some people that I follow on Facebook from the past that I used to be connected to in college where I'm just reading what they're writing and it's like, it's like pure, like, you know, believe in yourself, be a spiritual creature and, and love yourself and do good. And like, you actually read what they write and you're like, this is the stupidest pile of crap I've ever heard. Like, like <laughs> logically. You don't think they listen to this podcast, do you? No. Well, <laughs> maybe I hope they do. But like, if you look at logically, so so the, it's the funny thing, right? Is like our culture denies the story of Christianity uh, on the base of logic and scientific, yeah. right, right. But then the, our culture turns desperately to the most absurd, insane, stupid crap. That's like it's it doesn't even it doesn't even sound coherent. Yeah, I mean, if you look at most Eastern religions and you dive into their theology, you realize it's completely incoherent. Um, in fact, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Ravi Zacharias. He's a pretty famous Christian apologist. He's amazing. You should all listen to some of his materials, YouTube videos, his podcast, sermons, podcasts, all of it's great. Amazing stuff. But he grew up, um, as I understand to a, his father was a Hindu priest, I believe. Oh wow. Really? Um, or maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but he was, he was, he came from Hindu culture in India and he realized pretty early on that this didn't make any sense. Right. Like. The theology was was bizarre. It didn't. It wasn't coherent. It didn't hold water. Um, it didn't lend itself to a thriving, healthy culture if everybody actually lived a strict Hindu life. Right. Who so said, I, I, I believe there must be a God because the universe shows it has God written all over it. Right. And it can't be this God. So he started exploring, and he realized that Christianity, Christian theology, was the only one that truly made intellectual sense. Hmm. If you look at the Christian story of creation, of the fall, of redemption, and and Christ's sacrifice, it made the most sense out of all the religions. So, yeah, we get ridiculed for not being scientific, not being logical, but if you look at what people try to replace Christianity with, it makes a lot less sense. And that's where it goes back to that whole idea, I think, of cultural Christianity. People don't like the cultural impression of Christianity. Yeah. But most of them haven't truly explored it. Well, and here's the thing. So talking about disenchantment, we we become skittish and scared to proclaim what we believe because of the seeming boldness and attractiveness of the ideas of the world around us, right? And it makes you embarrassed of the stuff you believe. And what that does is it, it you as a Christian start to lose sight of the beauty. Yeah. And it, and it seems flat. So, so again, we're trying to unpack this experience of disenchantment. And, and so you start to believe that the story is not beautiful and that the Bible is kind of boring and worn out yeah. and old and ancient and useless. Yeah, and, and I think that one of the things we've done that has accelerated this process of disenchantment is in the modern evangelical church, 
we have tried to fill that void and attract the culture to our churches by making them like the culture, mm-hmm. by making them into big concerts and right. you know having a coffee shop every time you walk in and m- making them like like an experiential show, you right. know, that people go to on Sundays and just uh, you know hype up their emotions and. I think the other thing is that reform traditions have responded by going the opposite direction, which is becoming too intellectual. Right. And withdrawing. Yeah. And I think uh, and on that podcast, he calls it brain on a stick Christianity. You're, you know, you're waving around your brain on a stick. Yeah. It's like, it's all, we have the answers. Telling them but, to believe. Yeah. And the truth is that we have to have a combination of both of those things. Right. And we also have to bring back the idea of liturgy in the church, which is, um, it, it adds an element of, of mystery and appreciation for, for Christian tradition, I think. Well, yeah. And, and we're diving ahead here, but I think what you're saying really important there is as a response to disenchantment, Christian churches try to become more like the culture rather than embracing our alienness right. and our otherness. Because we, but we don't embrace our otherness as we don't embrace the the prophetic sense. You know, the prophet always stood outside and called people yeah. to a different vision. We don't embrace our propheticness bef- because we don't believe in it. We believe that we're supposed to be like the people around us, and we should yeah. make sense, and we should be acceptable and palatable and digestible to the common. Yeah. So we've moved all of our churches into big box stores, basically. Yeah. It's like a mall. Yeah, the mega church is like a mall. But and you have to be careful how you say this, I think. But uh, you know, last time you watched a movie and it had like uh, you know maybe some Native American spirituality scene or something in it, where they're like around a fire, or they're doing chants or whatever. You're looking at that and you're like, "Whoa, this is weird. This is different." Um, and in some ways, we have to bring back, I think, a part of that in Christianity. When you walk into a church, you go into a service it shouldn't feel so familiar that it's boring. Right. It shouldn't feel like going to the mall. Yeah. Or to a show. Or to the or grocery to, store. Yeah. You know, it, it should feel a little bit different. It alien. should feel holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, alien is, I think that's a good word to describe it. Um, it should put us in, I think, a mindset of reverence. Yeah. It should feel like a different kingdom is breaking in because that's real. that's literally what Jesus said. And it is through the life of the church that the kingdom of God advances. So, but this is, we're getting into re-enchantment. Yeah, let's, let's tease out some of the sources. So we, 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 we've captured kind of this feeling, this experience of disenchantment. What are the sources of it? And how do we kind of identify those sources and start working against them? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it has a lot to do with our entertainment complex of the 21st century and that is constantly being on social media constantly being in a shallow um, image-filled environment in which people people display what they think other people will want to see and they hide what they think others don't want to see Mm -hmm. well and and i think so entertainment and social media are huge because you have to ask yourself like First of all, look at the staggering numbers of how much time people spend in the world of social media, right? Yeah. So we spend all this time. You got to understand it's doing something to your brain. It's doing something to your heart. 
It's rewiring you. And it's also shortening our attention spans, I think, right. because mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time collectively on social media, but you jump from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. You scroll from one post to another. You like, you comment, you quickly move on. And now it's like we have the attention, you know, that, of an average, of a like, a, like a fruit fly. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you, you can't focus on one thing for, for longer than five or six seconds. And then you have to scroll on and look at the next pretty picture in your feed. Yeah. And... Uh, it really affects us in ways that we we can't fully quite understand yet. Yeah. Psychologists well, it, are still unpacking what this does to people. Right. One thing it clearly does, right, is if when you can't learn to focus, you can't learn to be quiet. You can't learn to meditate. Hmm. You can't learn to reflect on spiritual truth, right? Because wisdom is not simple. Wisdom is not acquired through a... 15 second Instagram scroll Uh, contrary to our probably expectations. You don't get wisdom through Twitter. No, you know, all this, you know, have the, you can have all of the wise quotes up on the cool picture with the person with the cliff in the background and the sun rising and the words written in cool letters. (laughs) But we're not saying don't do those things. Those are great things, but they're not the source of wisdom. Well, they could be expressions of wisdom, but they are not going to make you wiser if you don't know how to slow down, be slow, be reflective, think about difficult things, mm-hmm. reflect on the condition of your soul. You know, like I love, I love Jack Johnson's song. Um, he says, that song, Gone, when he says, gone, going, gone, everything. And he's like, look at all those fancy clothes, but these could keep us warm just like those. And what about your soul? Is it cold? Is it straight from the mold and ready to be sold? Cars and phones and diamond rings, bling, bling, because of all those are removable things. What about your mind? Does it shine? Are there things that concern you more than your time? So, like, basically he's pointing to the soul and he's saying, like, what, what's going on? Like, you shallow soul people. You mm-hmm. know, and he finishes a song with gone going, gone everything. Um, and he's like, um, gone, uh, what did he say? Are you willing to sell anything? Gone with your herd, leave your footprints, and we'll shame them with our words. Gone people, all careless and consumed, gone. So like this consumed, distracted culture of people wanting mm. things, wanting quick answers, wanting shiny things. It makes you shallow, and it therefore makes it difficult to believe in deep, beautiful things. You know, if you don't know what beauty looks like, mm. you're not going to be able to recognize it when you're looking at it. Um. Yeah, and everyone's trying so hard to have fun as well. That's the other big thing that we see is people don't recognize what the true source of pleasure and satisfaction is. And it's, it's the wonder and the joy and the mystery of a Christian life and a belief system that makes sense and fun within that context. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Now everyone is just trying to do whatever they find fun in the moment. Right. Well, and here's, I think, what I find interesting is when I look at our generation and we are trying so hard to look good on social media. We are trying so hard to look like we're having fun. Or even you look at the party scene. We're funning ourselves to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we're trying so hard to get, and it's like you're pouring gallons of water into a bucket with just big old holes in the bottom. Mm-hmm. So like when you pause and, and like, you know, I pause and I think to myself, like if I'm becoming a rich soul, like if I'm becoming a good person, joy is supposed to pour out of my soul like a waterfall that's unstoppable. It's not supposed to be that I'm trying to shovel it down my into my heart as fast and it, before it leaks out. You know what I'm right. saying? Like that's not normal. But when we live in a culture like today, we are we are entertaining ourselves to death. We are we're desperate in between, in the moments in between, when we're not having the fun or the pleasure that we're seeking. We're desperate, we're afraid, we're anxious, right? So entertainment culture teaches you to be that way just through basic habit. It doesn't it doesn't do it by teaching you an idea. Hey Fun yourself to death. <laughs> no, no. It, we do it one click at a time through Netflix, yeah. through the movies, through the scrolling and the swiping. Yeah. And, and fast then five food. or six years of that, and it's a habit suddenly. Right. And it's hard to break. And here's actually what I'm realizing through this whole discussion on disenchantment, right? Um, and James K.A. Smith points this out in his book, You Are What You Love. He says this interesting thing. He says, look, some of the biggest things, some of the biggest things that changes that happen to your soul they don't happen through major um moments when you just learned a new truth they happen through habit they mm. happen through repetition of the same small activity and 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 when we I, for me to understand that was a key to understanding like it's yeah. not about my big moments it's about the little ones what am i doing every single day you know that's a really good and, and that's something that i kind of struggle with too is i as i'm reading a book or or, or something, or listening to a podcast, it's like, well, what's the big idea here right, that stands right, right, out? Right, 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 Like, what can I take away from this that will revolutionize the way I think about this subject? Right. And that's not what it is. It's feeding yourself a constant dose of truth every right. single day right. in order to build those habits. Right. We think that good spirituality and good joy and wisdom is accomplished in a hurry. Hmm. Right, so we're like, oh, what is what is it? Give it, give me the goods right away, so I can move on to the next podcast. Yeah, and it's funny, like you know how this whole thing about like listening to podcasts at one point five speed or two point five speed. Right, and there's this like this whole Twitter conversation I was looking at. I was like, hey, here's my prediction: we're all just gonna slow down to normal speed and stop trying to shovel down <laughs> as much content as we can because we yeah. realize what's the point. Yeah, I mean, there's whole businesses now built on book summaries. You can buy like you know, the influencer pack or whatever. Where right, it's like right, some right. guy who's actually read through all these books and he just points, puts together the bullet points right. of like an entire Tim Ferriss book or something and yeah. then just sells it to you in a PDF. Yeah, yeah. It's just so empty. Yeah. Yeah, your soul is more like a slow cooker than it is a, a grill. Yeah. You need to think of it that way. It's a slow cooker. You have to learn slow, unimpressive progress. That's where real real knowledge of God, real worship, real joy happens. But, you know, so that's, you know, entertainment and c- culture, that's a huge one. I think the other huge one that I've seen is, you know, we've, we've hit it on this, but I, we've, we've already hit on this a bunch, but I just want to, you know, hit a little bit, say a little bit more about the science and technology. Because somebody came up to me after my talk at the conference and said, well, so what are you saying? Are you saying that all science was, is created by people who don't believe in God and don't believe in magic and don't believe in wonder? And I was like, no, 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 that's not what I said. Actually, most of the people who started the scientific revolution were Christians. Yeah. So um, the, the early scientists 
were motivated by their understanding of the fact that the universe is an ordered place. It is designed. It is not random. Mm. And if it's designed, it should be able to be studied. Right. Because if God is a God of order, Mm -hmm. and if he made us in his image, we should be able to understand some of the things that he created in a true, earnest quest for discovery. Right. And that's what science always was intended to be. Right. But when you trace like the early development of modernism, you realize that with this idea of, um, of the fact that we can learn truth without God telling us truth. And science is an example of that. So people caught on to this idea that, oh, we have science and we can discover truth and we don't need God's help. Right. And, and, and that false idea spread to thinking, well, we can figure stuff out about spirituality, about the universe, about the cosmos, and about our own souls without God's help. Therefore, we don't need God's revelation. We just need to use our brains and our measuring tools. And that drained the, that drained the wonder. That drained the yeah. magic out of the universe because the universe became a machine to be measured rather than a work of art to, to be, be enjoyed. Yeah. 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 So there's, really this, there's a line from Charlie Chaplin speaking as a philosopher, not as a comedian, when he was told that um, there was no life found on Mars. And he said, I'm lonely. Um, kind of looking at the universe and saying, well, shoot, that's it, huh? Like it's, it's just this big, meaningless machine. But when you look at it through the Christian story, the cosmos is, a, is a, an amazing, is a theater of the glory of God. So the point is not that science destroys our wonder of the universe. No, no, no. But it, it's more of this philosophy of scientism that captivates our culture, where basically the assumption is that the universe can be measured and studied, and that there is nothing in the universe, there is nothing part of my daily life that can never be measured. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't think that way. When you think right. about, like, what caused, the, what caused that to happen, you're probably thinking, what did I do, or what did this person mm-hmm. do? Do we, do we think of um, supernatural causes in our daily life as causes to what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Like, as a, as right. a we rarely do. No, yeah. We don't ask God for miracles anymore. Yeah. We just kind of resigned ourselves, like, well, that doesn't happen, because the world is scientific. Right, right. So we... Even as a Christian, I believe in God, I believe in miracles, all this stuff. But because this culture, it saturates me, it conditions me to think this way, I start to live this way. And if I live this way, I start to feel this way. And that's why you start to feel like God is not present. But he is, you know what I'm saying? So sources of disenchantment. Um, next time, we're going to talk more about how does, how does the wonder come back how do we recharge our life with yeah. wonder and presence but i think the short answer is basically the gospel is the key to re-enchanting our whole life and soul gospel christianity um as expressed in life of community of following jesus together um but again that that's kind of leaving you hanging for the next episode it is only through the embrace of the gospel story that brings the whole Bible together and brings the universe together for us, you know? Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, in conclusion, our faith is a holy mystery. Right. And it should remain that way. It should be enticing in the fact that there's 
we don't know everything about the universe. We don't know everything about the mind of God, and we right. we can't, you know. And maybe He will reveal some of those things to us someday. Yeah, you know, in heaven. But we have to accept that He has given us finite capacities to understand things, mm-hmm. finite brains, mm-hmm. and He's given us science as a tool to understand His universe. Um, but we should be using that tool for His glory. Right. And um, our understanding of what we we think we know should never replace um, the truth that is out there that we don't know. Right. Like basic, simple question. Do I daily think about the fact that God is up to something? God is up to many things that I have no idea about all around me, directly around me. He's doing stuff that I don't know about, that I can't know about. It's just outside of my, I'm a little person. I can't, I I don't know, but, but he's here. He's working. You know, that's what Jesus was essentially saying in the parable of the sower and the seed. He said the sower scatters the seed. He doesn't know how does the seed grow. It just grows by itself. It's a mystery. The kingdom is all around you. It's a mystery. It's growing. So uh, I think that that transforms how we see things. So as as we're finishing up, that's what you got to ask yourself. Do you see a bigger universe than yourself? Do you see a gospel that's not just about, you know, fulfilling your desires, but is Jesus' call in your life, a call to a whole different story of the universe, you know? And do you see how that universe, that story of the universe is at odds with the story being told all around you? Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Recommend us to your friends. Uh, If you found this helpful, post it on your Facebook or any other social media you may have. And follow us at the well underscore said underscore right there's two underscores yeah. i think the underscore well the un- <laughs> oh, shoot, what's our instagram name i don't even I know think it's the handle. underscore well underscore said on instagram um and if you are ruben yilfimov or miriam turkov yeah. then please reach out to us and let us know what how we can get you your prizes we will talk to you guys again in the next week or so Bye.